Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics and it feels strange to say that considering we haven't had sports yet checks notes in 47 days but as we mention on this program all the time nobody circles the wagons of the sports world quite like the national football league and in this pandemic and national crisis they have kept the ships afloat and the sails pointed in whatever direction they want to continue sailing without any problems getting in their way. Seemingly, the NFL draft went on this past Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as scheduled. A little bit different than normal, obviously, as everyone had to remain home for it. Roger Goodell got more and more comfortable, or at least pretended to get more and more comfortable as the night wore on in his basement. And I think it was, overall, an incredible success. Just on the presentation alone, before getting into some of the picks, one of which we predicted correctly on this particular podcast, so you're welcome to all of you that may have headed to the local gambling establishments, i.e. your cellular phones, to make a little bit of cash on that. But overall, the three-day affair, I, I think, couldn't have gone better if you're the National Football League. Which is not an uncommon scenario, Correct. Um, look, people, not just like us who are heavily into it, people who are just somewhat in, everybody was dying for something. And, you know, they, they ran their, uh, you know, their mock to see how it went. There were a couple glitches. This came off without a hitch. Uh, I had said, I thought it would be a great idea, uh, if the draft opened with Roger Goodell being booed in his basement by his family. Uh, as the joke, and they were close. I mean, he he played on the boo aspect of it uh, to keep it going, requesting the fans boo him, etc. And I just thought it was. I mean, the ratings don't lie. It was a mammoth success. People were dying to see something, and you know, people tuned in. They stayed tuned in, uh, not just for the first round, but for uh, you know the subsequent programs. And it came off without any glitches. And we have to see Roger Goodell in his basement in Proxo, New York, which is only a few minutes from yours truly. And uh, my question to you, you know, which I want to get out of the way now, before we get into the picks and who went where and how surprised you were, not surprised, i.e. the Packers. How much of what we saw Thursday night you think was all done before they hit the air? Well, I think what's funny is you could make the argument that they could have, or maybe they did, a little conspiracy theory, they could have done the first, what, 12 picks 
before we had our first trade, uh, you could be a conspiracist and say maybe the first 10 picks were, say, pre-recorded, and they just had everything ready to go to make sure everything was right. going to be fine for that first hour, hour and a half, because, boy, did it drag, especially with the Bengals. Everybody and their brother knows who they're taking. They have told the player that they're taking the previous day that they are taking him, and yet we have to wait basically all of the first 10 minutes to get this pick in. If you do that in fantasy football, Al, I know you're probably not the hugest of those for the internet side would probably prefer the old pencil and paper way of doing fantasy football. Absolutely. But you know so this. We did it. It's we had, two we minutes. Had a, we had a bell at the draft. There you go. We had we had one of those little what, what uh, you know, those little bells that you <laughs> whack. All right. Uh, and you know, guys would always be wise asses like me, and they would uh, uh, put the guy up for bids. Uh, you know, when you're on the clock, like uh, a second before the bell went off. Or get the final bid in a second before the bell. But I, I think uh, I would not be surprised. And I don't want to make it sound like prearranged, but uh, I would not be surprised considering the circumstances and to make sure there were no glitches that anything and everything that was done was done the night before or was done before you know it led up to um, the opening of the first one. There's trades or otherwise your trades were done finalize this is what we're done going to do this is a done deal etc this for that we're taking this guy we're trading up just i don't want to make it sound like conspiracy but it went incredibly smooth uh, to everyone's credit to everyone's credit and i just think it was cool i love the draft um i don't miss it being at a particular site i don't need the you know it's one thing to watch a college football game and the electricity of the building um, or a college basketball college, so much more than pros uh, college basketball, college football, especially, you know, I don't need the fans for a draft. I don't need to watch the goofballs in the jerseys going ballistic when their team took a particular guy and they never heard of him. They're like, ah, 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 and they have no idea who the guy is or, you know, just thumbs down. Oh, here we go again. I the Jets, same old Jets. When they take a guy, uh, that they can't believe that they're taking Jeff Lagerman, you know, in the first round. Um, so I can do without that. Every time, I enjoy the intrigue of the picks, the trades, the evaluation of the players, the fit. Um, why this guy? This guy stock up. This guy stocked down. I think this guy will be a, be a good fit. How they pass on that guy? It's, that's what I enjoy about the draft. I, you know, I'm a Mel Kuyper guy. Some guys can't stand Kuyper. I love him. You know, they're talking about the, they're auctioning these things off to raise money, right? And, you know, to me, the thing that I would bid the highest on would be to sit next to Mel Kuyper for the draft. That would be the thing I would bid the highest on. Uh, I love Mel Kuyper. I think he does a great job. McShay obviously was struck by. Uh, or she's bitten by the coronavirus, so he was not able to be a part of the draft. He was sorely missed. He's excellent as well. And the banter back and forth between them. But I thought it came off terrific for all parties, not just round one, but the rest of the draft as well, except for what we talked about. Same old story. I mean, literally, I mean, you're, do you remember the Jerry Lewis telethon for muscular dystrophy? I remember the I, song at the end. You'll never I, walk I, alone. I was, I, 
I was waiting. I said to my best friend from Rochester, my best friend from home, I was waiting for Trey Wingo to break into he'll never <laughs> walk alone. I mean, it's just enough. I mean, can, can we can we get somebody else in there for day two or day three? It was just Trey Wingo after Trey Wingo after Trey Wingo. Just too much Trey. And he just tries too hard. You know, the, the, when the Eagles take Jalen Hurts, it just got interesting, people. It hasn't been interesting beforehand, Trey. It just—it's just too much. He just try, and I'm like I said, I'm sure he's a good guy. He knows his stuff. He can tell us every Super Bowl MVP ever without even hesitation. I can't deal with the Roman numerals. I have to just give me the year, and I'll tell you. But you know, he's—it's too much. He just—he just—he tries too hard, and he's a nice man, I'm sure. But Trey. You don't have to impress us. Just be cool, man. Just <laughs> well, be cool. To add on to the too much, and and this this happened. At least I I had to watch for work purposes for the first two nights. I didn't really watch that much on Saturday, which is the able-bodied. <laughs> I you know, did, I, of course. Well, you as you mentioned, you're 100 percent into this draft. A fair weather draft guy like myself, Saturdays is when your phone blows up from your favorite team taking X player, and you go, oh, okay, and then you read the Twitter followers and and mentions to try and see who that player is. What grind in my gears to quote a familiar show and Family Guy. It seemed like whenever there was an opportunity to have a, a Tom Rinaldi-esque mention of what a player has gone through or is going through in his life. Some of the most traumatic experiences that they've had to face, deaths of parents, deaths of siblings, catastrophes of nature, and, and everything in between. Not only was that told to us, it was usually told to us before they got into actually describing who the player was. We learned that T. Higgins, Clemson wide receiver, shout out to all his national championships. His mother battled a drug addiction while he grew up. Why do we need to know that? The most specific answer and thought of how someone unfortunately died. A player was announced... The next sentence was, his father tragically slipped on gravel in the driveway, fell out into a crowded street, and was killed by a pickup truck. Why the fuck do we have to know that? I, Why I, is I, that I, so specific? I, I, who I, found that information out? That's I, Who answers I, that I, question? I, <laughs> It made I, absolutely I, I no sense that we need. I, I mean, it's understandable to say, you know, his father unfortunately passed away a couple months ago. Of his father. I, I get it. It 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 gives fine, you a more human competitive. But we don't, we don't need. That's not the first sentence when a guy gets drafted. What are you right. doing? Let's celebrate without going instantly into the gory details. We constantly have. They constantly have to juxtapose the. Joy versus the horror show that the draftee has gone through. And, I mean, is it the purpose to show how they've overcome adversity? You know, great, but we don't need you know to know a guy's father's run over by a bus. Or, you know, just the, the tragic past. Instantly. Instantly. We don't even get to take a breath. 
and you would enjoy the view. Enjoy the short skirt. Pardon me being the sexist, okay? Human resources, come get me. Um, but, the, but the point is, you know, let it breathe. Let it breathe a little bit. Enjoy the moment before we go into the nightmare of his life. And now this is supposed to be the highlight of his life. This is something Let's that these players it, record. And, and, you know, the low life. This is a this is a memory for these guys where in 2020 they're able to DVR this and get it on record. They don't have to worry about did Uncle Jack have his VCR set up at the right time so he could have the tape in to get the the call on TV. This is everywhere now, which is great for these guys. They'll have these these highlights for the rest of their lives. And now they're going to have to look back on this. You know, they're going to show their kids. Hey, Dad, let me see when you got drafted. Pull that up for me. I'd love to see it. Okay. Dad, why two seconds into you hugging your family on video did they have to mention that Grandpa got dysentery on the Oregon Trail and passed away? What are we doing? As, as the first, again, it's okay to make these more human moments for these guys, and, and sometimes those are the best feel-good stories of the draft for what they've had to go through through their lives. But first, let's find out who this guy is, not what's happened around his life that, that has gotten him to this point. What has he done on the football field? It's the NFL draft. That's what everyone's tuned in to see. Then get into how he's gotten here today. It's perfectly fine. But for the first sentence out of their mouths, I don't need to know the most specific traumatic experience of the young person's life. I don't. I'm good. I can wait two minutes. It's all right. I could not agree with you more. It's just, and it, it seems to be the focus. Isolated instance, okay. But it seems to go on and on and on and on. You know, it constantly show us instantly that what has been a total nightmare that the particular guy has gone through uh, with forgetting to focus on this being the highlight of his life uh, to achieve his dream. Nope. Let's focus on the nightmare instead. Uh, and it wasn't not, just not it wasn't crazy. just ESPN. They did the same thing on ABC, where they had Tom Rinaldi being able to narrate these stories and interview the guys. I'm just curious who in the meeting decided let's make sure this is our focus, especially under the circumstances that we're under now, where you're praying right. that technology works. Why have that be an extra obstacle that you have to come across and hope that like the public won't be in uproar? over the fact that you're just talking about constant death and destruction and tragedy all night. Jesus. It was a lot. Can we put it? Can we put out a happy face? Please? The last thing I, mean, I need to say this, before we've, be been, we, we've been dying for it before right. you get now, excited. I need to just uh, say your boy, Roger Goodell could have been a hologram for all I care, for what they tried to make that man do, especially on Thursday night. Try to humanize Roger Goodell. He's talking to the guys on Zoom. Come on, fans. G give it up. Boo. What do you think about this pick? He's he's t taking M&Ms out of his M&M jar, so it makes it seem like he's been eating M&Ms all night. They have him change was, outfits. He's sliding down his chair. What are you doing, Roger? Just, just be a person. Be. Just be a Just person. It, be. it was so awkward. Like, it was well, it, uh, it was the same scenario as, as, and I'm sure it wasn't him. I'm sure it was what was 
directed for him to do. It was, you know, just like Trey Wingo trying too hard. Too much. You're right. Too much. He can be, be a cool. person. Just, 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 it's just, okay. Just, just be cool. Just, look, I, I've seen him in, you know, obviously we've all seen him and heard him in interviews. He's fine. Just let him be. Just let him be. A lot of reports, like, saying how great of a oh he this was how he's supposed to be portrayed this isn't the dictator that we're used to seeing at the podiums talking for the owners he looked eh, did he though it was it was still very especially like reading everything from the cards you can't remember that the saints are trading with say the eagles you got to read it off a card there's eight words on that card man the saints are trading this pick to the eagles you couldn't remember that you can't say Tua's name right he's the one of the biggest names going and you stumble over his name when it's time to be called just i don't know if he had like a gun pointed off camera can you give me a little can we look at the uh, annunciation there for Tua Tagaloo, Tua Tagaloo, you know what I mean? See, Mad Dog does that, and you shake your head. From Hawaii, from Hawaii, right? Shouldn't be coming from the commissioner. And it's it's every year, Eddie, can you check that in for me, please, Eddie? Can you check it in for me, please? I... I know he's gotten a lot of uh, positive from it, and it wasn't the worst that it could have been, but it was still like just everything that they tried to do from him talking to the fans to, oh, Roger's getting more comfortable. He's sitting in his and lounge you chair the magic now. Word. What's happening? Tri- tried. You don't have to try. Just let it sp- the, the, the show carries itself. It really does. It carries itself. They want to know the picks. They want to hear the analysis of the picks. They want to hear discussion over whether it's a fit. Why didn't they get this? Why did they take this guy over there? Why this tackle over that tackle? Is it the right guy? Should it, Could they have traded down? That's what we want to hear. Just let the commission do his thing. You don't have to. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's an affable guy. He's a friendly guy. He's a stand-up guy. Let him be that. You don't have to direct him like you're pulling strings. Right, exactly. That's what it was. It was like, read these cards and be human. That's the four-letter network. That's the way they operate. Didn't make sense to me. Didn't make sense to me. I will say the overall presentation on the technical side of not you i mean they had to use zoom for player interviews and those types of things but having a camera in the player's home already set up having all the analysts on their own cameras and not on on shitty laptops and poor internet connections whenever they could get hardwired equipment someplace it seems like they did and that really spoke to the end product maybe there were a couple seconds of delay between somebody asking a question and somebody hearing them but i was expecting just bedlam as i mentioned last week and kind of hoping for it in in a, in a sense well of course you were hoping for bedlam but they knocked it out of the park in, in all things considered and even the people at home trolling with their picks mike Vrabel having everyone in his house doing something ridiculous in the background while while we're looking at him to get a pick with his stupid pencil in his ear. Bill Belichick knowing the camera's going to be on him, he has his dog sitting in his seat. I mean, the, the behind the scenes things that some guys did 
well played. Uh, a particular Dog made the pick. Some of the homes that people lived in, just putting their feet up and and relaxing in Arizona specifically for that head coach, that beautiful man. Just look nice where crib. I live. Look where I live. Take a look. I'm working real hard and leaning back in my chair. So those aspects of it were very enjoyable. And now to get to the aspects that you found enjoyable, let's let's take a look at uh, some of the picks there, Al. <laughs> what do you think? What are some of the storylines that you took away from this 2020 draft? Well, let's stay local for a second. Um, th- there was a lot of discussions what the Giants were going to do. Uh, Dave Gettleman's on the hot seat. He has not been a fan-friendly guy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he's been a guy who's talked about offensive line, build it, rebuild it, rebuild it, rebuild it. That's what we got to do. That's what he did. He went for maybe not the highest-rated offensive tackle in the kid from Georgia with the highest upside, but he went with the safe pick. I have no problem taking the safe pick. Well, why didn't you trade down? With who? And for what? If nobody wants to move up to get Tua, which obviously they didn't because he went at five, then there's nobody else to trade up for. So, you know, you want to pick up capital, that's fine. But if there's nobody else who wants to move up there, you don't give the pick away and not get enough value for it. And you make sure you get the guy you wanted. And obviously that was the guy they wanted. The big offensive tackle out of Georgia. Very safe pick. Uh, they get, obviously, you know, tough to go wrong when you take you know, a Nick Saban player. I think it's Xavier McKinney at the beginning of the second round. Uh, great value on that pick. And they get more offensive linemen. Uh, they get an Oregon kid later on. Uh, so, Again, seeking to rebuild the offensive line. He went with players from quality programs. Uh, no surprises with respect to the picks. And it's conservative, but it was the right thing to do because that was a drastic need for them. They think they have their quarterback. If you think you got your quarterback, you got to protect your quarterback. So they did that. Um, talk about maybe they would take Simmons. They didn't. It's an electric player, the kid out of linebacker out of Clemson. They stayed true to the course and they went out and they got what was their greatest need. And there was plenty of opportunity to do so where they were picking. So uh, for a change, this is not going to be a knock Dave Gettleman hour. Thought he did a good job. And I think most of the Giants fans that I have listened to and spoken to seem to agree because you know, last year he went whole hog for this quarterback uh, when he could have gotten him later. Uh, this time he basically stayed the course. Uh, then we get to Tua, which for me, as you know, was no surprise based upon what I said on this program. I thought the Dolphins were very smart to sit. And he is a high risk pick. But when you have three first round draft picks, you can roll the dice. And that's what they did. And we'll see how it works out. I don't think you take anybody else there. Uh, if your mindset was different, you could have taken Simmons and signed a quarterback. 
you know, you could have signed Jameis. You could have signed Cam I am. But their mindset was they were going to draft a quarterback who's going to sit behind uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whether it was him or Herbert. And obviously, Tua was their guy. And I think it was the right pick. And that's not because I don't think Herbert uh, could be a good pro. I think Tua has the better shot at being a star. Not that I think he's going to be a star, but he has the better shot at being a star because of his ability to play the position, whether or not he can play the position for a very long time. And the NFL is a different story because he couldn't play for a very long time in college. So that remains to be seen. But again, when you've got that kind of draft capital, why not? You got the three picks. You know, you've been hideous for years. Take the chance. Go for it. Don't be kicking yourself. You can't be kicking yourself now in the future for the Dolphins. You went for it. And I thought it was a good move. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And shockingly, and, and not like you should draft this way, but I think a lot of Dolphins fans come away from that first pick happy. And I think what shocked me the most is that for the most part, at the beginning of the draft, most teams drafted and their fan bases were left happy, especially the two teams that play in New Jersey but are from New York. Every year it's, it's a barrage of, on Twitter of how could they possibly do X and who was in charge of doing Y. And as you mentioned, not, it, this, year. not, this, not year. this year, not this not year, not this year. So, I mean, obviously we have to wait for the play on the field to happen, of course, but at least on paper, there were a lot of happy campers early on in the draft. It, it, not necessarily saying that everything goes chalk because somebody will argue a player going here, a player going there. But when you look at you know, the top 10 picks, it was pretty much okay. Every fan base was pleased. I'm interested to know your opinion on if you think, if for whatever reason, the Dolphins decided we're going to take a quarterback, but we're going to go with. Justin Herbert, do the Chargers still go quarterback and take two of the next pick? Or would Tua then maybe start how we looked at it? Maybe he would start falling in the draft. Would that have been when the fall started? Or, or do you think he still would have been going around those those types of picks for teams that need a quarterback at least? No, I, I, I think, look, the Chargers took a quarterback. The Chargers were going to take whichever quarterback in my mind was available. The other scenario I broached was if the guy they wanted was not there, i.e., let's say they only wanted him, uh, and the Dolphins take him, uh, you can obviously take the same route I suggested for the Dolphins. Uh, you draft a, a monster defensive player, whether it's Brown or uh, whether it's the kid from Clemson, linebacker, and you sign the quarterback, whether it's Jameis or whether it's Cam I am. Uh, they chose to draft the quarterback. And that, to me, that was a viable alternative for them, especially once Tua was gone. 
because two will be the one who will put fannies in the seats. And the kid's not going to play this year. Uh, I would think, at least anyway, he wouldn't play because I expect them to be pretty good. And they seem to think that you know, they can win games with Tyrod Taylor. I'm not saying they can't. Uh, if everything goes well for them, they can be a 9-10 win team with Tyrod Taylor. That's that's the kind of quarterback Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is. Um, you're not going to win 14 games with him. Uh, on the other hand, I thought they could have drafted a monster on defense to make that defense even better. Brown in the middle. Oh, my goodness. With Bosa or Simmons, the linebacker, in between you know, Bosa and Derwin James. Uh, and sign the quarterback. Sign Cam, I am, to sell seats. But they took this route. Cam is still jobless. Long answer to your question. I think San Diego, I think the Los Angeles Chargers were, were going to take a quarterback regardless. I think they would have taken Tua uh, if he was sitting there. For the same reason they took Herbert, planned to sit for a year and even bigger potential fan base scenario ticket seller with Tua. And then, um, you know, so those picks were all pretty much with what we thought they were going to be. It's just the question what was going to happen at five, six, you know, who was going to take, were they going to take Tua or leave for the Chargers? They took him, but then they moved on the rest of the first round, uh, drafted an offensive lineman. Um, I think the Dolphins did an excellent job. And I think the Dolphins have a chance to improve dramatically this year. I think the Chargers are a potential playoff team. Uh, you know, who, who they were a playoff team the year before. They lost a bunch of games by one score because Phil Rivers couldn't protect the football. Tyrod Taylor will. And if they stay healthy and don't lose people like Derwin James for the entire season, uh, they have a chance to return to the playoffs uh, with Tyrod Taylor at the helm uh, as a quote unquote game manager. Tyrod, Tyrod, whatever he'd like to be called, and a game manager. So we have that going in Los Angeles. The shock eventually would come in the quarterback conversation a little bit farther down in the first round as the Green Bay Packers trade up and take Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. Is that right? I don't know. It's a, one of those schools. Jordan Love. Green Bay Packers and a shockwave went through the internet and social media and television and radio as to what is Green Bay doing drafting the potential successor to Aaron Rodgers when he is in win now mode and he needs weapons. What has gone around Twitter this evening that you have missed because you still will not join the forces of social media and Twitter one of these days, Al, we'll get you on there. What's going around now is in 15 seasons, Aaron Rodgers has thrown only one touchdown pass to a first-round pick, which would be tight end Mercedes Lewis. Some numbers to consider as far as throwing touchdown passes to first-round picks go. Peyton Manning leads this specific list with 293. His brother is right behind him at 135. Brett Favre is 127, Brady's 105, Drew Brees 104, et cetera, et cetera. So the discussion point is, at least for these arguers, that 
Aaron Rodgers hasn't had first round weapons around him. Why is that the case? What were the Packers thinking? Why are they doing this to Aaron Rodgers? How will he respond to this? What will happen in Green Bay, Al? I, I was just, well, first of all, as a Raven fan, you know, I desperately wanted a linebacker. Uh, my first choice was Murray. My second choice was Queen. I like Murray simply because he's a little bigger. Um, but I love Queen as well. So the Chargers trade up with the Patriots to get the Patriots pick. And correct me if I'm wrong, was the Patriots pick, was it not? And the Chargers with the second pick in the first round take Murray to add to that defense, which I thought was a great pick. Uh, put him in between Derwin James and that front line. So, okay. I didn't expect Murray to be there when the Ravens are picking at 28. So the picks are coming and Queen's still there. I'm like, all right, we got a real shot here. And then boom, it happens. The Packers trade up. I'm like, all right, he's gone. Because the big four wide receivers were gone. After the Eagles surprisingly passed on Jefferson, Vikings for the other wide receiver from uh was Colorado? It's a Colorado kid, right? Um the Vikings jump all over Jefferson, who I love from LSU. Would have loved him for the Ravens. Didn't think he'd be there. He wasn't. So the Packers trade up to 26. And I'm like, there goes Queen. They need everything, you know, to help Aaron Rodgers. And it's anywhere in the field. Yeah, they love a wide receiver, but the big four are gone. Uh, they, they need to help their defense. Queen would be a perfect fit there. Tackling machine. They're going to take Queen. I'm sitting there going, I'm going to lose both linebackers. And then they take Jordan Love. And I'm just like, what? 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 Jordan Love. He's not going to play. For, you're going to tell me you're going to, you're going to, this is not a Brett Favre situation. This is not when you know, Aaron Rodgers, who was the best quarterback in the draft, the most highly thought of quarterback in the draft, the highest rated quarterback in the draft, despite the fact that Alex Smith went ahead of him, dropped like a rock. Because in a goofy year, a bunch of teams didn't need quarterbacks. And he fell to Green Bay. And you had Brett Favre constantly talking about retirement, doing Best Buy commercials, you know, talking about getting TVs that'll be best on Sundays. There's no discussion of Aaron Rodgers retiring. Is he at the very top of his game? Probably not. But he's still one of the top three or four. Stretching five quarterbacks in the game, healthy, throwing the ball like it comes out like a rocket. And this guy didn't fall to you. You traded up to get him. And when exactly is he going to play? And oh, by the way, how about helping your quarterback? And I don't even care on what side of the ball. How about adding to a defense that has given up over 30 points per game in every play on average in playoff losses in Aaron Rodgers' career? 
His defense has not been able to struck, stop a strong wind in the playoffs. Did they add an every-down defensive player? No. Did they get him a running back? Swift, Taylor, Dobbins. Did they get him Mims, who was still available? Did they get him something as a weapon? Did they get him an impact player on defense to rush the passer? Did they get him a tackling machine? Are you trading? What are you doing? I'm lost. You've drafted a kid who is, you traded up to get, who by all accounts was a second round pick at best with great talent, very raw. When exactly do you expect him to play? This is not a luxury pick. This is not a Chiefs pick. We've got everybody back. You're the world champs and yeah, we'd like to improve the defense, but you know, I don't want this running backs here. We really like them. Let's take them. No, 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 no. You're the Packers. You got your asses kicked twice by the 49ers in the regular season and in the conference championship game where you got beaten up. They were too big, too strong. You didn't get anybody for your quarterback to stretch the field. He didn't have any before, and he's got nobody now. You didn't get him a running back. You could have got him the best running back in the draft, whoever you deemed the best running back in the draft. And then in the second round, you trade for a big log out of BC. I'm sorry, you, you, you draft a big log out of BC. Not exactly the guy that he can swing the ball out to. Not exactly the impact electrifying running back that is going to help this team. Is he going to be the second coming of Henry? I don't see that. I could be wrong, but I, I just, I'm, I'm lost on what the Packers do. Look, I'm, I'm not, a, the Bears and the Packers, I'm lost. I'm lost. The Bears have <laughs> right. 27 you tight ends. You don't want 10 tight ends on your roster? That, that's confusing. <laughs> Impact players all over the place. That's what the Bears draft. Somebody help me. I, I just, I don't understand what the Bears are doing. Totally lost. And I'm just, I, I was flabbergasted with the pack. Obviously, I thought they were going to take Queen. But then, okay, they don't take Queen. Take Mims. Take Swift. Right. Take Taylor. Right. Yelling at the TV. Yelling at just, the TV. Who else is available? See, this This is, remember the commercial that used to run on ESPN? And it would just show the commissioner of the NFL either Goodell or his predecessor, announcing the Green Bay Packers picks. Remember Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers, and all they wanted to do was show people how successful Green Bay was at building their team from the draft, and it ended up with a Super Bowl championship. How long ago were those days where that was the Green Bay mantra of, look at what we do in the draft, look at how we build these teams that then went to, we're going to pay our wide receivers way too much money than not be able to hold on to said guys, bring guys off the street, and now just not address that at all in the 2020 draft. I couldn't believe, if you had put a gun to our heads and said, where do you think Green Bay needs players the most? 
I don't think quarterback and running back wouldn't be pick one and two. I could safely tell you that. When you have Aaron Rodgers as Aaron Rodgers, if he stays healthy, he still is at the top of the game of the league. And you have Aaron Jones as your running back and co. that haven't been a problem. That has not been the problem. Not it's the problem you fixed in the first two picks. It, I don't get Jordy it. Jordy Nelson is the highest pick they've ever made in Rogers' career at number, at number 38 as a wide receiver. Mercedes Lewis, you know, a, a questionable tight end and a decent pro career. That's the first round pick that he threw touchdown pass. He's never had a wide receiver taken in the first round. Think about that. One of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game. They've never spent a first-round pick in his entire career on a wide receiver. And as you pointed out, he's thrown one touchdown pass in his career to a first-round draft pick. It's hard to imagine. It's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. Absolutely mind-numbing. I, I just, I, I have no concept what the thought process was in taking Jordan Love. None. Unless they're planning on trading Jordan Love, or unless they're planning on trading Aaron Rodgers, or putting the pressure on him, I guess for the next couple seasons, just based on how much money to he'll do make. To, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get why you want to do, do what? Like, why do you need? You don't, to, you don't need to light a fire under his ass. He's, he's got he's a contract. Right. I don't get it. What's he wanted to go out and tank? He hates losing. Guy that's broken his collarbone, come back way too early from that injury to try and will his team to the postseason time and time again. But it's light a fire I, I, under to, his ass. To me, it was one of the most inexplicable moves in all my years of watching the draft. Because I, I just, I, I can't fathom what the plan is. Your best case scenario is what happened with Aaron <laughs> and Brett Favre in that he sits under Rodgers for three or four years and then you have another franchise quarterback for 15. I, I don't know. They went to that well and it worked once. If they go to that well and it works twice, I mean, I, I will drive to Lambeau Field by a ticket at the 50-yard line. But, but again, but again, excuse me. Rodgers was a much higher rated quarterback in that draft than Love was. Rodgers was thought of as the best talent, the best talent in the draft and fell because Smith went and then nobody else went. And Favre was a constant threat to retire. So they got a value pick. They right. got the potential replacement, the logical replacement, the probable replacement, and you didn't know when you were going to need him. You could have needed him, you know, at a moment's notice the, the next season because Favre was a season-to-season deal. Rodgers didn't go anywhere. And then this pick didn't fall to them. They traded up to get him. Flabbergasted. Just don't get it. Lastly, on the overall scope of things, any surprise that the Eagles decided to go with Jalen Hurts early in I was surprised. 
yeah, I, I, I was surprised. Um, I know I heard Mel Kuyper Jr. talked about Jalen Hurts in the second round to the Steelers, uh, but I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Jalen Hurts was probably going in the third round. So we went earlier than I thought. Um, look, the Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson um, and took the kid out. They took the kid out of TCU, right? Not out of uh, Colorado. They, t- they took the TCU kid, who obviously they have higher marks on. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to question that. I like Justin Jefferson a lot. And then see him play all the time. And, of course, so did Minnesota. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. I, I was surprised that uh, that they took him that early. They took him in the third round. Okay. You know, you have the special packages for him, little insurance, because obviously their quarterback can't stay on the field. But I, I did not expect him to go to the Eagles or anywhere else in the second round, quite frankly. And I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I was rooting for him. I was happy for him. But I didn't think he was a second-round pick. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I want to close and get this in because it'll make me smile just like the draft has had you smile the entire episode to this point the last dance documenting the 97 98 chicago bulls and michael jordan more specifically episodes three and four this past sunday centered around dennis rodman's escapades phil jackson becoming the head coach of the team and the bad boy pistons who are you are more than familiar with as a los angeles lakers fan the bulls are certainly familiar with him And we got to hear from different sides of the story about that playing style of the bad boy Pistons. We heard from Isaiah Thomas and what he had to say. We heard from Michael Jordan and what he continues to think about Isaiah Thomas 20 plus years later from when they were sharing the court. Unbelievable television to watch. him. (laughs) The the highlight for me is, hey, Mike, you want to hear what Isaiah had to say about not shaking your hand after you guys beat them in the postseason? No, you don't even have to show me because I know whatever he says, he's still going to be an asshole. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, we, can, we can all do me. things differently 30 years later. That's exactly I would have done what it differently. Said. Well, exactly. The thing that, to me, that um, I can't get around, I can't get away from, whether it Lambeer explains it one way or Isaiah explains it his way, um, you know, the walk-off versus the Celtics when you know, they left and Mikhail came back to shake his hand and said, beat the Lakers. Is the way Jordan handled himself the year before after Game 7. They lose. Pippen's got the migraine. Uh, heartbroken again. And there he is in the middle of the pack with Pat O'Brien microphone in his face and handles himself with the epitome of class. How about that? An on-court game seven interview after a loss. Imagine exactly. seeing that in, in exactly. today's day and age. Unbelievable. They were better. We're getting there. 
we weren't good enough today. We did a good job. It wasn't good enough. We got to go back. We got to work harder. And they were the better team. They deserved to win. You know, kudos to them. I, I mean, uh, and, and remember, this is heartbreak for him. This is ripping his guts out because he's gotten close now. This is as close as he got. And his sidekick came up empty with a migraine. And she's still not happy about, by the way, <laughs> you could see it in his face. Like, oh, yeah, but, that was the Scotty migraine game, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he says, you know, what do you do? He's got a migraine. And what are you going to do? But the way he handled himself after that versus the way the Pistons handled themselves the next year. Look, I, I, I don't want to hear about, you know, the, we want to get out of there. We're running on the court. This is the way the Celtics did. Well, it's not the way Jordan did it. And look, I, I didn't root for Jordan. I'm not a Michael Jordan apologist. I rooted against Michael Jordan. I rooted against the Bulls in all those finals. I rooted for the Jazz. Excuse, obviously, I rooted for the Lakers in 91, of course. It's my team. I rooted for the Sonics. I rooted for the Suns. I rooted for the Jazz. Their two years. Um... I didn't want to see Jordan win six championships. That doesn't mean I didn't think he was amazing. It was amazing. It's the best player I've ever seen. And this just re reiterates it when I watch it. Pistons were the better team. Um, they were the better team when they beat the Lakers. They were the better team when they beat the Bulls. They were a rough bunch. They were a dirty bunch. But they were a very, very, very talented team. They were a great team. And Jordan's teams were good enough. He didn't have enough help. When he finally had enough help and the Pistons started to get older, they took the next step and the rest is history. They never beat a great team in the finals. Never had an opportunity to. My Lakers were done. 91 Lakers were not a great team. Celtics were no longer great in the 90s. Pistons were no longer great. Some tough Indiana teams, some stuff. Nick teams, but no great teams. But to me, it will always stand out the way Jordan handled himself in that loss versus the way the Pistons handled themselves when they lost. And the beef with Isaiah, I don't know if that's part of it. Um, the freeze-out for the Dream Team, I heard Charles Barkley say that that didn't happen. I don't know who to believe. I don't know why he still thinks he's an asshole. Um, maybe that's, I, I, cause he obviously, he has not in any way, shape or form softened his feelings towards Isaiah Thomas, who is a brilliant player. One of the best players I've ever seen. Second best point guard I've ever seen behind Magic Johnson. Pound for pound, a fabulous player. Tough as nails. Baby faced assassin. Amazing player. So I can never figure out, unless I sat down with Michael Jordan, he said to me face to face, Al, here's the problem. If that's just it, or if there's more to it. What continues to reel me in week to week, and it, there's hundreds of things to do, but real quick to end with this, is just the contrast from then till now, as far as the league goes, from Mike and the rest of his teammates absolutely just hating 
those teams, especially the Pistons, but any team that came in their wake, but also having an incredible respect for the game once the final whistle blew to an extent. We see and we hear from Magic meeting each other after the game, embracing Michael Jordan crying on Magic Johnson's shoulder because he's finally made it to the level of Magic, to the level of Larry Bird after they win their first championship. And Magic embracing that moment because he knows what's going to come and how important it was for the league for that to happen. How impressive it was for that Bulls team to know they weren't as good as the Pistons and along with adding a couple pieces, head into the weight room, get stronger, and make sure that the bad boy style of beating them to the pulp isn't what's going to beat them should they face them again. The contrast of the league from then to now, I mean, in so many ways has changed, but specifically for those two episodes, that stood out as far as just how much Michael Jordan respected the game and knowing what to do in those moments. Hating guys, holding grudges, everything you could imagine, but still having the respect at the same time and you know, not running away to, to form a super team somewhere to, to bring in a super team. Hey, we got to, we got to head to the weight room. I got to get bigger. I'm not going to get beaten up by this Pistons team again. And you saw the difference in him physically. He was a stronger guy. I mean, he, that next run, I mean, he was, I mean, talk about not an ounce. I mean, just, tight, muscular, I mean, built. He was perfect. He was, he was, he was perfect. Simple as that. Shout out to Michael Jordan for picking the Denver Broncos to beat the Packers in that year's Super Bowl. We learned that. Enthralled and excited and thrilled on the train, the plane, I should say, after they found out that news. Had he been on the Packers, he would not have been that joyful. So we know who he threw down on how about them broncos and shout out to carmen electra for still looking absolutely electric at 48 alice always a pleasure we'll do it again next week folks my under over was june 1st i think i'm going to be pretty damn close i think we're going to have something i'm not sure what the hell it is where it's going to be uh or who's going to be watching it but until next week for the big man, my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al from White Plains, real handle Al Renato. Try and have a great sports week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>